right. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. You're rolling. You are the best. Thank you very, very much, Neil. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Money Wise Radio Show, brought to you by USA Wealth Group and our protectors, Ray and Peter Lance, who really have our best interests in their interests. And Ray, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning, Phil. It's great to see you also, and it's great to be with everyone who's listening. We get more and more comments all the time from people who have heard the show, and it's very gratifying because... We have the feeling that we're really able to help people, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach. We're trying to educate. And we're trying to t- show uh, people who are listening things that we can do to help protect your family and to help protect your money. And one thing I always like to say is that there's always something you can do, and there's always something we can do to show you how to improve your financial position. And that's our goal. We want to be teachers. We want to be educators. And um, there's a nice quotation I have from Ralph Waldo Emerson a famous New England uh, writer, and he said, what I need is someone who will make me do what I can. And that's sort of what we see as our mission. Hmm. We want to show you what you can do to improve your financial life, your family life, and make more money for you and for your family. So with that having been said, uh, we wouldn't uh, be able to do this radio show if we didn't have a few regular quotations from some old favorites. But of course. So let me start with that. I'd like to start with my uh, dear old friend, um, Ben Franklin. And Ben Franklin said, Money has never made man happy, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more of it one has, the more one wants. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. probably very true. Yes. So next, I'd like to give you um, another quotation from Ben Franklin. And that is, having been poor is no shame, but being ashamed of it is. Oh, wow. Because, you know, at various times in our lives, we've all had little money or no money. Sure. Uh, I grew up uh, with virtually nothing and put myself through school, and lots mm-hmm. of people are in the same position. Yes. But don't ever be ashamed of your background. And it's who you are, not what you are, and not what you have that really makes a difference. So lastly, I'd like to give you a famous Greek quotation. Oh, good. And uh, this one, I'm going to give you a choice. Is it Plato, is it Plutarch, or is it Aristotle? Okay. I don't need a friend who changes when I change and who nods when I nod. My shadow does that much better. <laughs> so is that Plato, oh, Plutarch, good. or Aristotle? Well, let's see. I'm going to take a guess on this one. I'm going to say Pluto. <laughs> no, not Pluto, not Plato. It's Plutarch. <laughs> but is it Plutarch? I think you were waffling on that one, yeah. Phil. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's yes. a little. <laughs> Plutarch. Plutarch. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me tell you what our topic is going to be today. And our topic is going to be what I believe is the greatest concern people should have in retirement. And it's not about how much money you have. It's not about um, health. It's not about longevity. It's sort of all those in a way. But the issue is really inflation. Inflation is something that people don't think about very often. Mm -mm. Uh, There's been a lot written about it in the last three or four years. We have not seen high inflation for, gosh, good five, six, seven years probably. But it's coming, and when it comes, it's going to be devastating. How so? 
it's going to create more harm in people's lives than anything you can possibly imagine right now. So if you're not thinking about inflation, you ought to be thinking about inflation. Because if you have a simple 1% increase in the cost of living or a 2% or a 3% increase in the cost of living, anyone who's on a fixed income is going to be impacted. And if you've planned your investment or your retirement or your pensions and they don't take into account inflation, you're not going to have enough money to live on. You're not going to have enough money to survive retirement for as long as you need it. So we're going to be talking about what is inflation yeah. and what are some of the things that you can do to protect yourself against the risks of inflation. What causes it? Well, it's simply, um, it can be the rise in the interest rate. And that's the number one concern right now. If you think about where we are in this country with interest rates, uh, if you have money in a savings account, if you have money in a CD, you know what the interest rates are right now. They're less than 1%. Right. And they're artificially low because of two reasons, I suspect, and I'm not an economist, but I read a lot. Number one, the economy itself has not been doing very well. And number two, the Federal Reserve Bank has been artificially keeping rates low in hopes that the economy will be stimulated and will start to have growth and start to have more jobs and so forth. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we have this uh, ridiculous uh, historically low interest rate environment all across the country. And it, it almost doesn't matter what you're in, but especially in banks at the moment. And the minute that starts to turn around, the minute the government says we're no longer going to be pumping $85 billion a month into the economy mm -hmm. to keep the rates down low, once that starts to subside, and it will, then you're going to see interest rates start to rise. When the interest rates start to rise, it's going to be rapid, is my prediction. How rapid? Well, I, I'm not, again, an economist, and if I knew the answer to that, um, I would be doing things to make myself and my friends very rich. Right. That's, so nobody can really predict. But you're going to see it happen, and then everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon, and then overseas nations are going to jump on the bandwagon and all of a sudden everybody's going to start raising their interest rates and the minute the federal reserve starts starts to uh, put these measures into effect stops pumping money into the economy printing mm -hmm. money really right now you're going to see interest rates start to rise bank rates will start to go up uh, it'll start to cost you more money to take out a home mortgage to buy a car all the consumer things that you need to do and um so once it happens, it's going to have a snowballing impact, and it's just going to continue to increase and increase. And I'm not predicting that rates are going to go up high as they were when Jimmy Carter was president, for oh my example. Oh, goodness. Because we had really unusually high inflation oh during that gosh, period. Yes. But we have not seen inflation in this country for a good half a dozen years. And when it happens, it's going to erode your purchasing power. It's going to take away the cost of things. One story I've told before on the radio, but I want to mention it again because I think it's worthwhile, is an example of inflation. In 1969, I bought my first house in Mattapoisett. Mm -hmm. I paid $21,700 <laughs> for that house. It was a lovely little house. It had three bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, no garage. It was a little over a quarter acre of land. $21,700, and in that particular year, 
when we bought that house, my wife and I had income of twenty-two thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! So in other words, our yearly income that year was yeah. equal to the actual purchase price right. for buying the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about that in today's dollars. That same oh. house today is probably worth three hundred, maybe three fifty. Right. But somebody buying that house isn't going to have $300,000 of income in buying a $300,000 house. Correct. So what's happened is the, the cost of real estate has gone up in value, and that's attributable to inflation. And you can look at any example you want. Sometimes you can look at your birth date on the computer and figure out what was the cost of a loaf of bread and mm-hmm. you know a quart of milk uh, when you were born, and it's peanuts compared to what it is today. Right. So I think everybody understands the basic concept of inflation, but they don't realize how really serious it can be for uh, impacting your personal lives. So let me give you a few pieces of information and a few little anecdotes as well. Ronald Reagan, who was a great person with words, said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. That's what Ronald Reagan had to say about inflation. Uh, Milton Friedman, who was a famous economist in this country, said, inflation is taxation without legislation. And then somebody else said, uh, an unknown author, inflation is when sitting on your nest egg doesn't give you anything to crow about. But really what inflation is is simply a regular, persistent increase in consumer prices or... The corresponding part of that is a persistent decline in the purchasing power of money, and it's caused by an increase in available currency, an increase in available money, and credit, which are beyond the proportion of goods and services. So basically, inflation makes goods and services much more expensive and decreases the value of your money. Another good example to take a look at is the cost of gasoline. We all complain about the cost of what it uh, takes to fill up your tank in your car or put any kind of gas in your car. And that's not all attributable to inflation. A lot of it has to do with the oil-producing countries and and politics, frankly. But here's an example of how inflation can impact you. Let's assume that right now you need $35,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle and you'd like to maintain that same standard of living in retirement, for example. And let's assume you have a 3% rate of inflation. And by the way, right now we're at about a 1% rate of inflation. Okay. So it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. So if you need $35,000 a year to live on right now, in 10 years with a 3% rate of inflation, you're going to need $47,000 to live on. Mm-hmm. From 35. That's only 10 years away. Mm-hmm. And... If you, had, if you need $35,000 a year to live on now and using that same rate of inflation of 3%, in 20 years from now, you're going to need $63,000. Wow. So what if you're on fixed income? Social Security has, is tied to a cost of living increase, but their cost of living uh, percentages and increases have been very small, very low. And if that's your main source of retirement income, if you have other things that are in fixed income or if you're drawing down money from a larger account, you're gonna have to draw down more money to support the same lifestyle. And the risk and the danger of all that is you can run out of money and not have enough money in retirement. 
So we're going to talk about some specific things that you can do. But if you think inflation is just something to talk about as a concept, just look back at what you paid for groceries a year ago, oh, five yeah. years ago, gasoline five years ago compared to today, or anything else. But it has a very clear impact on everybody's financial future. And if you have set up retirement plans in a way that don't take into account what's going to happen with inflation, then you're going to be in for some sorry news later. Now, the good thing about all this is that we're all living longer. And the bad news of it is that we're all living longer. <laughs> you have to have enough money to live on in retirement. So when we're getting ready to retire and when we're just first retired, sometimes it's called the go-go phase. You still have health and you have energy and you want to go out and do exciting things that you haven't done for a while. And, and so we call that the go-go period. And then we have a period a little bit later when, you know, you can't do any more golfing. You don't feel like doing any more traveling. You've seen enough of the kids this year, you know, whatever it happens to be. <laughs> Um, then we call that the go slow phase, when you start to slow down a little bit. Then lastly, of course, is when you want to simply stay home, watch the television, don't want to go out in the cold, you don't want to go out in the rain. And we call that the no-go no phase. Go. So you're either in the go-go go go. phase, go slow phase, or no-go no go. phase. But let's talk about what some of the main retirement risks are when you're retired or about to retire. Uh, first of all, what we're just talking about is the longevity risk. You have the risk that you could outlive your regular income. And what I want to suggest to everybody listening is that it's not necessarily about the assets that you have because you can spend those down pretty quickly if you want mm -hmm. to. It's really going to be a question of do you have enough sustainable income that's going to last over your lifetime. And so one of the things that we do when we're talking to clients about retirement is Let's see what your budget needs are. Let's see what your income is. And is that income going to continue? And will it keep, keep pace with inflation? Um, second risk is the entitlement risk. Our government program is going to be there for you to provide sufficient retirement income. Um, excess withdrawal risk. You can draw down your assets too quickly because you need the money to live on. And then you can spend all of your assets and not be able to support yourself. And one example of this is there used to be a rule that, well, gee, you could take 5% of your assets and take that money out every year and you wouldn't run out of money. Well, that might have been true if you only had a 10 or 15-year life expectancy. Right. But now, because we're living longer, the rule changed in recent years, years to 4%. And the rule of thumb was, well, you can take down 4% of your assets every year and that should allow you to keep your assets replenished and still have enough money to live on. And right now, people are looking more at 3% to 3.5% is the amount that you can afford to take. Mm -hmm. So here's a real simple equation. Let's say you do your budget and you need whatever the number is. Let's call it $3,000 a month, which is $36,000 a year to live okay. on. Mm -hmm. And Social Security is going to provide you half of that, $1,500. So where does the other $1,500 a month come from? Well, what happens if you had $150,000 in savings or an IRA or a retirement account? If you start drawing down $1,500 a month to live on, 
uh, let's see if I can do that real quickly in my head. That's what eighteen thousand dollars a year. Your hundred and fifty thousand dollars savings account is going to be uh, gone in probably about five years. Incredible. Then you don't have it. Then you have a, a total gap in your uh, in your needs and your ability to pay your your way. So, market risk is another risk that people have. If you have assets that are primarily in the stock market. Well, right now it's looking really good mm -hmm. because the stock market has been going up. What happens if it takes a downturn? And it will. I had folks in my office about 10 days ago and they happened to have a fair amount of money and it's 100% in mutual funds, 100% in the stock market. And I'm going to make up some numbers here, but yeah. let's say it was $400,000, for okay. example. Mm -hmm. And I said, can you afford to have your account go down by $50,000 if the market took a downturn. How would it make you feel if you lost $100,000 at oh, that? Would that make you feel badly? My goodness. And why don't you think about getting a little bit more conservative in what you're doing? So we had some discussions about that. But inflation risk, which is primarily what we're talking about today, mm -hmm. is a risk that rising costs are gonna undermine the value of your retirement assets unless you do something with them to make sure that you're not gonna have that risk. Then of course, on a personal side is incapacity risk. We hope that we're not gonna become incapacitated, have to go to a nursing home. How do you protect yourself if that happens? So a lot of people have said, um, and I've been through some exercises, how long do you expect to live? I've asked people that question sometimes. Sure. And often you'll get back the answer, well, my mother, my father, they lived until, be, until the age of 80, so I expect that I'll live to be age 80. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a mindset for them to think that way. But our, our parents, the earlier generation before us, they had a shorter life expectancy. We have a much longer life expectancy. And you can't guesstimate it based on family history. You can look at it a little bit. The average life expectancy in 1970 in this country was 70.8 years. In 2010, the average life expectancy is 78.3 years. My goodness. Well. And I went to a lecture recently and was told something very interesting to think about. Somewhere in this world today, there's be a baby being born that is gonna to live to be the age of 150. Oh my goodness. And I believe that, I really believe that we've got people now living to 106, 110 and older. Don't tell Social Security. They don't want to hear well, that. Well, they're going to have their own issue. But uh, for example, if you're uh, 65 years old right now, you have a 90% chance of living to the age of 80. That's a 90% chance. It breaks down a little bit differently um, for males and females. Men have shorter life expectancies. Do you know why, in a married couple situation, men die before women? I do, but Celeste is listening, so I better not. <laughs> well, the answer is men die earlier than women because they, they want, want to. They want to. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever the reason, uh, women handle stress better than men. I'm not sure what the reason is. But with current mortality tables, um, Anybody who's 65 years of age right now has a one in 10 chance of living past the age of 100. Mm. 
Now, here's something interesting for you. Have you heard of uh, cloning? Yes. You know, they've cloned cats and dogs and animals and things like sure. that. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, Ted Williams' brain has been frozen, for example. Right. Cryogenics. I'm not sure that I would care to do that. Yeah. But think about what's happening in the uh, in the uh, business of organ transplants. Think of how many people have had liver transplants, lung transplants, heart transplants, organ transplants. Uh, that science is becoming more and more well-defined. Mm-hmm. Think about the fact that they can now take some of your own stem cells and inject it back into your own heart and cause your heart to regenerate new heart cells and have a healthier heart. I can't begin to imagine what medical science is going to be like in five years or ten years from now. And how long life will sustain. And think about the fact that maybe 10 years or 20 years from now, if you have a diseased organ, not saying it's a heart necessarily, but say it's a liver, that you might be able to go to a clinic or a facility and have some of your good cells implanted into uh, a plasma body, whatever it happens to be, and a new liver is created for you. Sounds miraculous, yeah. Well, I think it's more than miraculous. I think it's something that's going to absolutely happen. And what if you could go right now and you had some kind of a disease in a kidney or a liver or something like that that you needed to live, Mm -hmm. and you could go to a facility and spend $100,000 and have a new liver created for you. Right. Would you do that if you had the money? Would I? Uh, It sounds uh, bad, but no, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't. I have a different philosophy and a different way of looking at life. Sure. But no, I wouldn't. Although there are people who would say in a nanosecond. And I'm sure that people will be doing that mm-hmm. in, in the future going forward. Well, part of the reason for that question is not to talk about medical science so much. It's simply to illustrate the point that with medical technology, we are going to be living longer and longer. That's right. And we need to do everything we can do to make sure we have enough income that's going to last to support our needs. So we're going to come back in a minute and talk about some specific things about inflation and some very specific things about how we can protect money and what can you do to make sure your money is going to last and to take into account the inflation risk. Yes. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Money Wise Radio Show with the Money Guys, Ray and Peter Lance of USA Wealth Group. We hope you enjoyed the first part of this program that was very interesting and instructional. And Ray, uh, I can just imagine seeing and hearing a 110-year-old talk show host. Good, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. We're, we're going to talk about how long I'm going to live and how long you're going to live and how we're going to support ourselves. People living to 150. My goodness. Well, you know, Phil, I'm, I'm not a golfer, and um, I've never had the time to do that. But um, we do have to be always concerned about running out of money and making sure that our money is going to last. We don't want to be a burden to our family or our children. Although once in a while I've thought about that. When I think about the burden the children have been on me sometimes, (laughs) did you ever think about wouldn't it be nice to have them support you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I would like to do is just take a moment and remind everybody that you're listening to Money Wise. 
And my name is Ray Lance. And if you have an, a need or an interest to learn more about retirement planning and financial topics and how to maximize Social Security benefits and anything that has to do with protecting your family's money, assets, leaving as much as possible, not leaving anything more than what you have to for a nursing home, sit down and talk with us. Give me a call at 508-998-8858. The interesting thing we're finding, Phil, is that we're having more and more people now who have heard this show mm-hmm. and then uh, call in, and uh, we've been able to help some people. Very grateful for that. I want to digress just for a minute and say, what if you're already collecting Social Security, and it depends on the age, of course, and you're still working? Have yeah. you made a tactical mistake? So don't think that just because you're collecting Social Security mm-hmm. – that that's now an irrevocable decision. Let's take a look at it. Okay. I had a meeting this past week uh, with a lady. She's about 68 years old. She's going to work for a couple of more years, but she's working full time and she started collecting Social Security already. And here's what I discovered. I'm holding a copy of the front page of a tax return right now. Mm-hmm. Last year in 2012, she had just under $12,000 of Social Security benefits. And a little bit over $10,000 of that was taxable on her tax return. So she reached the level because of her income and so forth that she's still working and she's collecting Social Security and 85% of the amount of her Social Security benefit goes on her tax return. She's paying taxes on it. Mm -hmm. So let's assume she's in the 25% tax bracket. That means... $2,500 2500 to $3,000 of that Social Security money is wasted mm-hmm. because it's going right out for taxes. Right. And um, what I'm going to recommend to her is that she discontinue taking her Social Security right now. She doesn't really need the money to live on for her budget. And if she does that, and she can simply say, I want to stop it and not pick it up again until I'm 70. Mm-hmm. If she does that, she's going to save herself $2,500 to $3,000 in income taxes, and she's going to have a larger check in two years when she reaches the age of 70. Just a couple of simple things like that. Yeah. I also met with someone else recently who is um, single, working, divorced, and collecting their own Social Security, and found out that uh, they were married for at least 10 years. And I said to them... Have you looked into the possibility of whether you can collect Social Security off the account of your former husband? And they had not. Mm -hmm. So I said, what you might be able to do is discontinue taking your own Social Security. Again, let it accumulate until you reach the age of 70, which will give you a larger benefit. But in the meantime, you can probably take a 50% spousal allowance based on your husband's record, your ex-husband's record. And... That's a great way to maximize dollars. So there's always something you can take a look at and don't overlook those opportunities. Was she aware of this option before she sat down with you, Ray? No. And this is primarily the point that I I want you listeners to understand. Ray has so much great information for you, information that you probably don't know. So give them a call at 508-998-8858. One of the things I like to say when we talk to people is that there's always something we can do to show you how to make more money, how to save more money, how to plan something a little bit better for retirement. And in many cases, there's a lot we can do. You bet. 
but you have to take the first step of, you know, contacting us and coming into the office. You know, step number one in any kind of planning is you have to do a budget. Mm-hmm. You need to know what your expenses are. You need to know what your income is. And we look at it two ways. If you're working right now, we look at what is your income right now? What are your expenses right now? And then when you're retired, you'll have Social Security. Will you have a pension or not? And what else will you have? And if you're going to have the same level of expense and less income, then what is the income need that you're going to have? Mm -hmm. And then we'll show you some things that you can do to reposition assets to create that, um, that, to fill that gap and to create more income for yourself. So here's some things that you can do for uh, closing the retirement income gap. And most people, when we sit down and we look at expenses versus income, whether they're retired now or getting ready to retire, there will be an income gap. And there's some things that you can do. Number one, if you're younger especially, absolutely increase the retirement savings rate. Again, I met with some people again this past week, and they said, well, we're not really living on all of our income right now. We have surplus income. Should we put more money into retirement accounts? So I said, absolutely. Sock away as much as you can afford right now because you're going to need it a little bit later. Second thing you can do, obviously, is you can postpone retirement. And a lot of people have to do that. Postpone taking a pension. Um, You can put into effect a particular pension income technique. You can postpone taking Social Security. We talk a lot about that. Um, You can do particular kinds of Social Security planning, especially between husbands and and wives. Um, You can work part-time. You can use your home equity for income. Uh, We do... Uh, help people get reverse mortgages, for example, and that can fill the income gap. And the fact is that in this country right now, more and more companies are discontinued, discontinuing or have discontinued pension plans, traditional pension plans. Right. And it's not just a few companies, it's a lot of companies. And I don't care if you're on a government pension, a state pension, or if you're on um, a pension from a company, you can't necessarily count on that money being there. So you have to make plans and arrangements accordingly. How many cities are looking for monies to fund their pensions? Well, lots and lots. Uh, The most recent example, of course, is Detroit uh, with an $18 billion uh, gap in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they are talking about is doing in some pension plans, reducing pension plans. I know. Uh, there are cities in California that have done that, and um, it is a risk. So you need to get prepared, most importantly. I want to tell you a couple of quick things. Mm-hmm. Um, here's some recent bankruptcy filings by cities. Uh, Boise County in Idaho, the entire county, filed bankruptcy. And that's, these are all since January 2010, by the way. Central Falls, Rhode Island, that's been in the news. Mm -hmm. Stockton, California, Mammoth Lakes, California, San Bernardino, California, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and most recently, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, and by the way, um, in Alabama, the entire county of Jefferson County filed bankruptcy. And cities that are on the verge of bankruptcy because they are just so far in the hole, Mm -hmm. and this is surprising, I'm just going to mention a few, how about Washington, D.C.? Really? How about Honolulu, Hawaii? 
How about New York, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Cincinnati, Ohio, San Diego, San Francisco are literally on the verge of filing bankruptcy. How sad. And if you have a state pension, is your state pension fully funded? And there's virtually, I think there might be uh, half a dozen yeah. states where they're 90 to 100% funded. Right. right. I can tell you in Massachusetts, we're between 70 and 80% funded right. on our state pension. So it's either going to be higher taxes for somebody or possible reduction in benefits. Mm-hmm. So you need to be concerned about looking at some of these things. We need to be looking at some of the strategies and things that you can do. But most importantly, you've got to account for inflation. You have to assume that when money rates are as low as they are right now, they cannot go any lower. There's only one direction they can go in. And when that happens, you can expect to see higher inflation. You will pay more money for virtually everything you buy. Look at the cost of a car. Look what you're paying for a car today. Uh, I can pay more money for a car right now, you know, and I'm not talking about a really expensive car. Right. I can pay more for a Toyota Camry right now than I paid for my first house. Oh, absolutely. Which is, sure. which is crazy. Yeah. So that's the world that we live in and the world that we're going to continue to live in. So you need to make some decisions about what age do you want to retire? What annual income are you going to need? Mm-hmm. And are you saving enough money? Right. If you're a younger person listening to this show right now, Start young and save regularly. Every single week, you've got to save something. That's right. Unless you want to sleep in that Toyota. Well, that's a good thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, money issues are, are very serious issues. Um, yes, you can count on Social Security. It'll be there for you. Um, but you can't count on employer-sponsored retirement plans anymore. The list of major companies that has totally discontinued Retirement plans includes almost all of the major blue chip corporations. By the way, if you look at the 500 largest companies in this country, only 18 out of of 500 of those companies have fully funded pension plans. Really? 18 out of 500. Unbelievable. Wow. So you need to pay close attention to your own sources of retirement, your own budget. Mm -hmm. Um. Build yourself your own nest egg. Yes, look at government-sponsored vehicles. Look at 401ks and IRAs. Here's a quick tip. If you're working right now for a company that has a 401k, if you're not putting in as much as you can, you're making a mistake. If you're not putting in as much money as you can that will get whatever company matches out there, you're making an even bigger mistake. If a company offers a match, make sure you put in enough money. It may hurt, but you've got to do it. Um, IRAs, absolutely. One of the things that we do a lot of work in um, is in the area of annuities, and we like them a lot because with annuities, uh, the principal can't go down. Uh, They're a great hedge against inflation, and you can also have annuities that pay out money, which is called an immediate annuity, that will have an inflation option built into it. So it will always keep pace with inflation. Right. And you'll have the buying power of the dollars. Uh, Those are good things to take a look at. Saving early is one of the smartest things that anybody in this country can do. I I looked at an example recently. And if you had uh, two young men who each decided to put aside 
$3,000 a year into savings. And let's say that a gentleman named Earl puts in uh, $3,000 a year, and he only does it for 10 years, and then he stops. Doesn't make any more payments after that. And the other gentleman says, I'm going to wait 10 years before I start putting in my $3,000. And you just carry those forward at the same assumed growth rate and so forth. All the way up until age, and starting at age 25 for one and age 35 for the other. All the way up until age 54, the first gentleman who put in $3,000 a year for 10 years and then put in nothing more will have more money by far than the person who waited until he was 35 and started putting money in. So the timing of how you put money in, and the earlier the better, you'll have a lot more money at your disposal. And I've seen this time and time again with um, actual client cases that have come in. Ben Franklin talked about this. He actually did. And he did his own projections and calculations showing how much money you'd have if you started putting in at a young age and the numbers are staggering. So start early, um, but do catch up. Yes. When you're over 50 years of age, you can make a regular contribution to an IRA account, but you can also make an extra $1,000 a year as catch-up money. Um, that's not like on hamburgers and hot dogs. It's <laughs> catch-up. Oh, that kind of catch-up. That kind of catch-up. Um, so we are all living longer. Um the government will look for ways to extend Social Security because we do have an aging population in this country. Uh, I think we'll see in the future that individuals will have to retire at a later age to have full Social Security amount. Uh, right now it's 67 if you were born 1950 or after. And um, I think that'll become 68 and maybe 69 and maybe 70. So I think you'll see some tinkering uh, with those kinds of things. Make sure you realize that any increase in inflation rate, which is going to happen, is absolutely going to erode and take away your buying power of your money. And if you don't have something built into your retirement formula that's going to provide for that, uh, you're going to run out of money. You won't have enough money to, to survive on. So here's some general advice for workers who are retiring in 2014, which is next year. Um, revisit your asset allocation. If you have money in a brokerage account, maybe it's a time now to think about getting a little bit more cautious, a little bit more conservative. Mm -hmm. If you're close to retirement, can you afford to take a risk of loss of having you know, a drop down in the market and losing some of your investment? Are you going to be able to recover that investment if that happens? Probably not. Do what-if scenarios, what-if testing formulas on your retirement money, is it gonna last? Simplify your investments, make it a little bit easier. Be very cautious and get advice about when you're gonna claim Social Security benefits. Right. If you claim too early, you're shortchanging not only you, but potentially your surviving spouse. Very, very important, very important. We have a case uh, just the last couple of days in the office, and I brought in some um, local attorneys to do bankruptcy planning. I have a lady whose husband took option A on his Teamsters pension plan, and it was about $3,500 a month. Um, they each have Social Security, but it's not huge. I think he gets $1,200 and she gets $800, something like that. 
and they've been living a, a reasonable, you know, middle class lifestyle in retirement. Mm-hmm. They're both in their early seventies, um, in real early seventies. He has a terminal illness, and he's probably not going to last beyond uh, the following year. Sometime within the next twelve months, he's expected to pass away. She's no longer going to have his option A pension Ooh. of over three thousand dollars a month. She's going to be able to collect $1,200 in Social Security, which is his, a little bit higher than their own, and she's not going to be able to survive on that money. Oh, my goodness. In the meantime, uh, they've accumulated about $35,000 worth of credit card debt. So I brought in some bankruptcy attorneys to talk with them. They're going to file bankruptcy and wipe out the credit card debt. Sure. And then she's going to just barely scrape by in retirement. He cannot reverse the pension decision that he's made, and there's virtually no life insurance. You know, you can make that decision to take the higher pension amount, but if you're going to do that, usually you're doing some life insurance at the same time so that when the pension stops, there's life insurance to replace it. So before you make pension decisions, yep. if you have any doubts at all, this is the key. Get some advice. Before you make these decisions, folks, and this is why USA Wealth Group is so needed. And folks, when I tell you this, I not only endorse, I radio hug it. That's how much I trust USA Wealth Group. Radio hug it. <laughs> We've heard that before. <laughs> That's good. Uh, by the way, are any uh, funds that you are tapping into taxable. Well, the the government tax you when you're taking monies out of certain funds. Um, The answer is it depends. If you're taking money that's in a savings account, for example, and you put that into an annuity, uh, which we do a fair amount of, um, the accumulation on that, the interest that's being earned, Mm -hmm. will be taxable interest when it comes out, but not the principal. Anything that's in an IRA account, of course, will be taxable income, mm-hmm. um, unless it's a Roth IRA, and that's a whole different story and different topic. But um, the number one age when most people uh, start to collect Social Security is age 62, and the second most uh, significant age when people start to collect Social Security is age 65, mm-hmm. and they're both wrong huh. for most people. Three-quarters of all people collecting Social Security started at age 62, um, like the woman who's still working, for example, and she's paying taxes on 85% of the money. Correct. So postponement is usually an obvious choice there. Uh, the second reason that people use 65 is because they know that they have to sign up for Medicare when they reach age 65 and they're retired and they think, well, if I'm going to collect Medicare, that means I have to file for Social Security. And the answer is no, mm-hmm. you don't. So another good Social Security pop quiz question. Yes. Um, So both ages are typically wrong for most people, but get some information, and um, we'll be happy to help on that. Um, Finally, and most importantly today, just consider a gradual shift into retirement. We're going to find in our society more and more people are working longer, working part-time. I have people in my office all the time that have retired they're not making it, and they say they're going to go out and look for a part-time job. And they're going to get a seasonal job maybe at Christmas time, but that's probably not much more. But I'm seeing that every single week, literally. Right. right. So plan ahead, folks. Take yeah. some time to sit down and get advice. Um, I'm happy to answer questions. We don't like to do it on the phone because we want to know more about what your assets and resources look mm-hmm. like. 
Give us a call at 508-998-8858 at USA Wealth Group. We'll be more than happy to meet with you. We don't ask ahead of time, what do you have for assets? We don't restrict anybody. Mm -hmm. We see people with nothing. We see people with a lot. We try to help everybody that we can. And don't be afraid Mm -hmm. of the word annuities. Right. Because it's one of the most successful techniques you can use to be out there. Right. Uh, Before we say goodbye and thank you to our listeners for uh, being so loyal to this program, Ray, looking forward to next week, you have arranged a very special presentation on this program. Be sure you listen next week also, which is on December 22, because we're going to have the occasion singers from Marion, mm-hmm. and they're going to be singing wonderful, harmonized holiday music, Christmas music, uh, accompanied by an electric piano. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a show um, at the Whaling Museum. We put on a performance of a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator. Yes. And the warm-up act, if you will, was the occasion singers, and they were marvelous. Yes. Uh, so our gift to you uh, next Sunday is going to be to have the occasion singers entertain you and provide some wonderful listening holiday music. And please make sure you listen to that. You'll enjoy it immensely. Looking forward to that, Ray. And thank you so much for listening every week, folks. We appreciate it so much. Uh, make sure that in your life you become money-wise. <laughs>